All right, boys and girls, thank you for coming to class today, at least all of you uh, POC children. As, as for you white kids, let's start with uh, little Willie. Um, what is your problem, and why are you oppressing all of the black children in the class? What? I'm detecting some defensiveness from in your voice, young man, and that is offensive. a symbol of, excuse me, of white supremacy. And I'm going to need you to pay extra reparations to your classmate Amala here just because of that. What are reparations? Reparations is what white people owe you because you're oppressed and they oppressed your ancestors and there's a legacy of that that still keeps you to be a victim forever and ever to this day. Um, yesterday, yesterday at the playground, Amala beat me up. No, I didn't. I, felt, I feel oppressed by Amala. That's good. You should be. <laughs> that that's a reparations beat up and you deserve even more does that mean i get will's candy at lunchtime absolutely it does haha <laughs> will for I the great sin of being white first of all why is our school giving us candy for lunchtime it's very <laughs> irresponsible <laughs> secondly this is unfair as a child of this country <sighs> i deem this to be unfair I think it's totally fair. Using big words like deem is white supremacist. <laughs> no more big words. Okay, fine. <laughs> and scene. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast today. For our first story and the skit leading into it, uh, we're going to be talking about a group of teachers, educators, principals, uh, just school administrators who are definitely on the wrong track when it comes to young people's education. They are implementing CRT uh, within their schools. And this is a school uh, that, that somebody on our, our panel today is quite familiar with. We have a guest by the name of Jill Simonian. Jill, you want to say hi? Hi, everybody. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what my cue was because I'm excited <laughs> to be on the Will Anomaly show today. Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. It's Jill from PragerU Kids. Also, Prep, PragerU Resources for Educators and Parents, our membership group that supports all of our PragerU Kids content. I'm excited to be here with you guys today, but I'm not excited to talk about what we're going to talk about about this video that was sent to me a couple days ago. And I want to say something real quick. Everyone watching, specifically my mom, sorry we are a few minutes late today. We are having some technical difficulties. It'll never, ever happen again, okay? Sorry, Will's mom. Yeah, sorry, my mom. Um, also, guys, if you want to watch the show every single day, it's at 2.30 p.m. Pacific, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Somehow in the comments and on my Instagram and on Facebook and everything, I still hear people saying, you guys should have a show. <laughs> I'm like, we do have that's a amazing. show. It's every single day on weekdays from 2.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, that's 5.30 p.m. Eastern. So you guys can watch it every single day here on YouTube or here on Facebook. Make sure you check it out where we go over all the latest breaking stuff and also cultural stuff and have some fun and argue with each other. It's a good time. Wow, Will, that was really well said. You should have your own show. I would love to. But honestly, the way that you just complimented me, you should have your own show. Oh, I think we have something in the works here. <laughs> as long as no one thinks Taylor should have his own show. We're going <laughs> to be okay. <laughs> Now let's get into the video. This video is out of La Cunata United. This is going to be, again, a bunch of uh, educators. Uh, I think, I believe a principal is uh, featured in this video as well over Zoom talking about how they're going to teach kids about their oppression and systemic racism and CRT, you know, as one does when they're educating young children. Let's listen to it. Himself. And one of my biggest concerns last year was the fifth grade history curriculum and um, and him really understanding what our nation has been built upon and not and not just the mainstream like um history lessons and so 
I had approached Jenny early on to say like, are they going to be learning the truth? <laughs> you know, when we go to Valley Forge, are they going to hear the truth? Or are they just going to hear what people maybe there are proud of? And that's what you have to really break down with your kids too is um, like, okay, yes, that's what history teaches us, but there's more to that story. And one of the hardest parts for me was becoming very, through this journey in the last couple of years is becoming like really angry at America and not feeling very proud. And I'm not going to subject you to any more of that I, video. I, I, Are those all teachers? Is that the Okay, deal? I want to I want to give some context to this. Go you know. for it. So, yes, this is from La Cañada Unified. I know this district very well. This is a pocket community in the Southern California area. It was the most sought after school district. People would move to La Cañada specifically for the schools. People, parents, families, grandparents, teachers, principals, administrators, it was the most kumbaya symbiotic relationship between schools and community that anyone could ask for. It was ideal, okay? So that is the premise of what this particular school district is. This video, I mean, most of you guys know, if you don't know me uh, on my weekly lives on Tuesday, I'm Jill from PragerU Kids. I'm the director of outreach here for our prep membership group. Uh, this video was sent to me a few days ago by a community member in La Cañada, I think, that uh, was just really disappointed. They knew that I worked here, that we believe in truth, that we believe in transparency and unbiased education for our children. Uh, which is, you know, something that we continue to champion at PragerU Kids with all of our shows. And they sent this video to me, and this video was taken last summer. So it was summer of 2020, okay? A lot was going on in the summer of 2020. I am never one, and I know no one here ever is in, interested in squelching free speech. I know we don't do that. I will celebrate free speech and respect it, even if I don't agree with you. This video with teachers and principals and administrators, they have a right to discuss what they want to discuss. However, also in this video, it is discussed their perspective and wish to quote unquote dismantle the curriculum. So that's the issue that so many of us parents have when it comes to teachers discussing these radicalized ideas. You can discuss whatever, whatever you want, but when it comes to injecting it into curriculum, because it's your politicized radical opinion, our children don't deserve that. I just want to say one thing I noticed. Mm -hmm. No men in that discussion. <laughs> Not a single man in that That's discussion. interesting. That's an interesting point. It is. I mean, you know. Care to elaborate or? Well, we just yesterday watched that movie trailer about a, a world without men. Oh. And we saw how well that went. So maybe. <laughs> They could use some more male leadership. It's a serious thing. No, that is. Especially I mean, for like young boys growing up. This is one thing as well. Like young boys need strong male leadership growing up. And one thing that I think is a problem in our schools now, it's not necessarily a left versus right problem. It's just a problem that there aren't enough young male teachers who are, you know, in elementary school teaching young boys how to be men, especially when you're seeing your teacher more than you do your parents. So I don't know. I think getting more of a male presence in these types of things is good to well, even it out. Guess what, Will? There's no such thing as men and women. There's no such thing as boys and girls. We are all one unified non-binary being. So there's no reason to have more men teachers. 
Just want to put that on the record. That is true. You're not a man unless you have a mustache. <laughs> well, and and some of it, it it is an ideolo- ideology problem too, though, because even some we've seen these like you know libs of TikTok uh, compilations of these teachers that are in classrooms that are male, mm-hmm. and they're indoctrinating kids with gender theory just the same. So it's it is an ideology problem too. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like we need like Amla's throws back Thursday a couple weeks ago talked about the Batman, the disciplinarian who brought order to schools and really changed a lot of outcomes. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's this ideological war that we're fighting. Mm-hmm. And one other thing I do want to note about this video. Yes, it was from last summer. This was recently distributed to uh, hundreds thousands of parents in the area now that we are going back to school in this back to school season that everyone is preparing for all of us parents are gearing up we are going back to school but this video was also taken at a time when the district leadership was specifically telling parents that they were delusional for thinking that teachers were trying to implement 1619 project critical race theory all of these radical ideologies the district leadership was literally Mm -hmm. in the process of of approving a dei plan to implement into the district starting this year and last year they were specific specifically telling parents we are not doing anything centered on critical race theory and then you have this group of teachers at a particular elementary school literally discussing how can we implement this into our classrooms so parents were duped Right. And parents were lied to. Or the alternative is that the district leadership sincerely did not have an idea as to what was being discussed, which is another problem in itself. I'm going to go with number one on that one. Uh, Teachers, parents, uh, people in the community were duped and lied to because this is what they do. They say, oh, no, we're not teaching critical race theory. Don't worry about it. We're not going to talk about race. We're not going to teach black kids that they're oppressed. We're not going to teach white kids that they're oppressors. Don't worry about it. And then they have their little Zoom meetings where they do exactly that. And then you confront them. You say, well, I have the Zoom meeting right here. Let's watch it. You are implementing critical race theory. And then they go, well, well, that's not critical race theory. And then, they don't, a, and then they don't want you watching their lectures and right. their classroom time and you're asked to see it and they're like, no, we can't have parents in here. So right. it's like, if, where's the transparency if parents have no reason to be concerned? Where are the parents' rights? Mm-hmm. That is the one of the biggest things that is constantly discussed in our membership group for PrEP. If you're not in our membership, join our membership because these videos are, and what we're going to share with you later too was also shared via a parent who is a, a, a PrEP member and we're sharing solutions and, 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 and things that we can do to reassert our parents' rights. We do not consent mm-hmm. to things being taught to our children that are outside of shared values, basic human values. We do not consent. And to hold these, to hold teachers accountable is our parental right, and it's our parental responsibility right now. Yep. Uh, the school should be supplementary to what you're learning at home, and it should sort of, uh, if not, you know, echo your values, be something that is not teaching kids what they should believe politically. It should be a completely unbiased uh, ground for, for actual learning rather than political philosophy and political ideology. Yeah. Michael on Facebook here makes a good point. Um, he says... The, advocating the myth that CRT is being taught in schools will ultimately be self-defeating. The theory is not being taught, but the theory is being implemented, which I think is an interesting mm-hmm. point. It's not necessarily that they're saying, hey, kids, there's a thing called critical race theory and you should learn about right. it, which actually would be fine and kind of be irrelevant because it's not the most important thing to learn about some obscure theory, postmodern neo-Marxist theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
if, if they're in class implementing critical race theory and critical pedagogy, uh, then that's actually the problem because they're, they're indoctrinating kids with a worldview right. as opposed to teaching them about a theory, which would be okay. And that is the trick, is that they get to use critical race theory without actually using critical race theory. So then when you call them out, they say, oh, no, you're, you're just grasping at straws here. That's not what we're doing. We're not saying, we, we never said, check the curriculum. There's not, the CRT is not even mentioned in it. We're but not teaching it. G-E-I is, that's the right. code word, diversity, equity and inclusion right they want to call you crazy they do i get called crazy every single day (laughs) (laughs) for numerous amounts of things but mostly (laughs) mostly the mustache some of of it's definitely warranted which is a good thing i I, i'm not against that but they try and call you crazy they try and tell you don't know what's going on in a way to confuse you so that you if you can call someone crazy and make other people around them think that they're insane they are immediately written off as someone who should not be trusted right their opinion should never be looked at because this person is crazy or delusional or a conspiracy theorist whatever it is and then it turns out that the people who are the crazy delusional conspiracy theorists are right mm-hmm. not every time yeah, but a lot of the time the people who actually do the research and find things out they happen to be right and then it gets, by the time that people realize that these people are too are right and that they're not crazy, it's already too late. Which mm-hmm. is perfect. I'm glad that we covered this story first thing, and I'm glad Jill was here to talk about Woo. it. Because after <laughs> this, we are going to get into a video of Ben Shapiro on Bill Maher talking specifically about critical race theory uh, against a, a one a, a man who does not want to hear what he has to say. So we will get into that. But before that, Jill, can you give everybody a good little plug for PragerU Kids and why why people should care about PragerU Kids? Oh, why people should care about PragerU Kids? So many reasons but I'll try and narrow it down. One, we celebrate American values. We teach the history based on truth, based on unity, based on equality under God. We teach our children what our kids, frankly, are not learning in school. I mean, we have our first debut best-selling children's book, Otto's Tales, about the national anthem and Pledge of Allegiance. In that video clip we saw, the uh, the one the person who was saying that they don't feel comfortable telling five-year-olds saying the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, that was a kindergarten teacher, okay? So at Prager U Kids, we're teaching our kids what it means to be an American. Our country is not perfect, we all know that, but at the same time, we are the most blessed country and we need to make our kids and families proud that we live in this country based on freedom and liberty. And um, and 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 that's what we do at PragerU Kids through our shows. Now through our membership program, if you wanna take it up a notch, our prep membership program gives access to a private discussion group where parents can share issues that are happening in localized areas of the country. We get solutions from each other. We get, uh, you know, different talking points. We get, uh, we get to, we get to vent and we get to share what tactics worked in school districts and schools. And, uh, it's, it's a great support group and it's proof that we're not alone. And the power in, in, in knowing that you're not alone is that you do have courage and that it does give you bravery to actually reveal the truth and seek the truth and and speak up knowing that you are grounded in truth saying this is not right what we're doing to kids and that's the only way that change can come about. Perfect. Couldn't yeah. have said it any better than so that. So join us. PragerU.com slash kids. You know I'm always going to give the website. Good. <laughs> Intern Tyler is my favorite PragerU kid. <laughs> yes. Tyler, do you want to give him a, lean, a wave to the camera yeah. here? There he it's is. Our Tyler. favorite little kiddo. Yeah. He was <laughs> a radical Tyler. leftist communist before I found him. <laughs> <laughs> out, on the, out on the streets, scrounging for food. <laughs> mm. Well... 
speaking of CRT, like I said, let's get into this video of Ben Shapiro on Bill Maher talking about CRT and then defending himself alongside uh, Malcolm Nance, uh, a guy that does not like anything that Ben has to say. Here we go. Let's get back into... Hard news. I hate it. We're having such a good time, and now, now we're going to fight. And now I'm going to, I'm going to make you fight again. Nah. But it's okay. But I got to talk about that muzzle laws. There's these laws that are been introduced in a number of states to not talk about critical race theory. Now, critical race theory, I must say, to begin with, uh, I hadn't heard the term probably a year ago. Now I hear it every day. I think Americans are just starting to hear it, and I think no one knows exactly what it is. They know it has something to do with race, and it's some kind of a theory. Right? <laughs> how would you describe it? And then we'll ask, how would you describe it? What is critical so, race theory? I will admit that I read a lot of critical race theory in law school. So, you know, the, the work of Derek Bell or, John, or Gene Stefanczyk and Richard Delgado. This is the stuff no one knows but you and six other people. Right. So. But what matters is what is, it, what is it practically, it's being taught in schools or some form of... Yes, there's, there's a certain sort of crystallized version of it that is a lot less complex than what critical race theory actually is. But critical race theory essentially argues that racism is baked into all the systems of American society and that any sort of neutral system is, in fact, a guise for racial power. And so the argument is made by <coughs> Derek Bell, for example, that Brown versus Board of Education, this is an argument he made in 1991, that Brown versus Board of Education was actually a way for the white community to leverage its own power. It wasn't an attempt to end segregation in public schools. Even things that are purportedly good in terms of race, so long as they uphold these broader systems, things like capitalism or things like the meritocracy, these things are actually just guises for power. And so what that boils down to in sort of practical terms is all disparity equals discrimination. If you can see any stat where black people are underperforming white people, this means the system was set up for the benefit of white people and that white people have a duty to tear down these systems in order to alleviate the racism that's implicit in those systems. When it comes to schools, what this tends to boil down to is kids who are white have experienced privilege because the system was built for white people and we have to change well, the standards. Right. Now, mm -hmm. Okay, well, so Malcolm, you tell me your definition. Oh, I agree with everything he just said. Oh, oh, great. <laughs> strong start, a surprisingly strong start on that, uh, that he agrees with Ben's definition of CRT. You're going to find that uh, this strong start does not last for very long. Will, have you seen this? Are you saying have I seen it or <laughs> have I been a part of it? <laughs> I'm asking um, hypothetically if you've gone on YouTube and looked at this specific video. Well, if I'd been on YouTube and saw the video, then hypothetically speaking, yes, I would have seen the video. <laughs> yes. Amazing, amazing. Let's keep watching. And I appreciate you being honest in defining of what it's like to be black American, right? That, 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 that is, I mean, we're talking about a system. that's unfair. Well, You're saying well, we no, I'm just saying I agree with all of those suppositions because they are grounded in truth. Look, when, I'm a, you know, and the funny thing is, it's not just African Americans, right? It's also the, the, the Scalp Act of 1749, where for 300 modern dollars, you had to cut off the head or the hair of an Indian to prove that you've got them out of the way so they could settle. That's a little bit of American history that people should know about. The Chinese Exclusion Acts of the 1840s. These okay. are things we but, don't but, talk about. Amazing. Uh, 1749, Amazing. 1840. It's also the the Black Exclusion Act of 1123. Yeah. It just amazes Remember me. Remember when those black cavemans 
<laughs> getting all trampled on by the woolly mammoths. They don't want to teach you that in schools, but it happens. <laughs> they just lean so hard on things that are not even relevant to our present and <laughs> are so far removed from American society today. And that's not to say that we shouldn't teach about it. There's no conservative that I've ever heard saying that we should not teach about these things. Well, no. yeah, and he's making the art. He's he's criticizing Ben's framing of critical race theory when he's throwing out these red herrings that have nothing to do with critical race theory as evidence that Ben is somehow wrong about critical race theory. It's like, well, this bad thing's happened in America, so the way you're defining critical race theory is wrong. It's like, that logically doesn't make any sense, but he knows he can cater to this, like, audience who obviously is, like, inclined to agree with him. Yeah, every time he breathes. He's he's just saying, like, bad things happen in America, and they're like, yeah, see, America sucks. Like, (laughs) why are people so eager to jump on that bandwagon? It was the same with when Dennis Prager went on. Yeah. Dennis Prager went on, he's on there, if you guys haven't seen, Dennis Prager was on Bill Maher, and he's talking about the left's lies, and he's like, the left says that men can menstruate, and everyone in the audience just laughs at him, and now look at things like the ACLU is saying, the left that men can menstruate. Right. Like people thought he was crazy for saying that. And now look yeah, at they him. laughed at him. Yeah, they laughed at him. And I'm like, but they cheer on these like woke leftists and people who hate America. It's like mm-hmm. where else in the world do you have the freedom to just hate on your own country so much? And where is it as applauded to hate on your own country and civilization other than in the West? Right. That's how you know that the West is the best. Because there's nowhere else that you can complain about your own country right. and civilization than in the West. I've never seen a group of people more happy to be wrong. <laughs> it's like amazing. More happy to be oppressed. Right, right. This guy comes on, he's talking about oppression, and they're like, yes, this is so great. It's like, I'm, I'm so happy that I'm oppressed. I'm standing on this stage in my hundreds and hundreds of dollars suit, you know it's expensive, on Bill Maher in front of a, a nationwide audience, and I'm screaming to you about your oppression, and you're going to clap for it. <laughs> you remember those Native Americans, those Indians getting scalped? Oh. Heck Yes. Yes, Malcolm. They scalped yes. those Indians. <laughs> like, come on, it's man. It's amazing. It is, it is textbook straw manning to 100%. defeat is. an argument that Ben is not making. Ben is not saying we should not learn about dark periods in the U.S. history. No conservative <laughs> is saying that. And so by naming dark periods in U.S. history, you are not winning an argument. You're just like Ben is perfectly fine with those being taught as is anyone else. Like, uh-huh. it's okay to be informed about the dark things. You're trying to cast America in this evil light to indoctrinate people people to be anti-America and the evidence of that is like anytime you say something negative about America everyone claps and you need to reframe the argument every way in a way Mm -hmm. to make America look bad and that's considered winning for you and people would rather believe that than care about who's actually winning the argument which is obviously Ben. You're trying to say that because America had done bad things in the past that must mean that every single other thing in America is also poison Mm -hmm. you know like you have an apple and one part of it's bad so the whole thing's bad it's not really an analogous metaphor to make in this type of situation there's so many good parts about america regardless of the things that are bad right and things that that not it's not even are bad it's were bad like we're not even there anymore none of these things are currently happening here in the united states but they want to contribute it to our, our present as if that is not something that happened way well in the past 1749 he said that blows my mind but it gets worse so let's keep watching it's not true that people don't talk about these things. We all did you learn about... You don't want them talked about? No, that's well, not that, true that's, either. You want to cancel No, them? Malcolm, I'm sorry, you're lying. No, uh, that's that's lying. That's, that's just that it, it is lying. It's, I not it's only not, have... I've, I've personally I, talked I about many of the things that you just mentioned. People, I defined critical, uh, critical race theory 
by citing the actual authors of critical race theory. And you seem to be a pretty good beneficiary of the meritocracy because you have merit, Malcolm. So if you're going to criticize the meritocracy as an outgrowth of white supremacy, then you're going to have to tear down the system that you've succeeded in because you have merit or do not have merit. You know, when my great-great-grandfather ran away from slavery to join the 111th U.S. Colored Troops and fight against the South, keeping human beings as slaves. He didn't think, you know what? In 150 years, my great-great-grandson's gonna have to sit on stage and argue with a guy who thinks all that's bullshit. Amazing to me. What a condescending, horrible guy. Right. I hate the smug look about him. I hate that smugness. And he didn't address Ben's point at all. None at all. Ben goes, here's a substantive argument. Here's a substantive argument. Here's another substantive argument. Do you have any response, Malcolm? And he goes, well, here's an anecdote that mentions slavery, so you guys should feel bad for me, and you guys should clap. Please clap. (laughs) Please clap. That's a... Uh, and this is how the left works. You give them an actual logical reason-based argument and they go, well, slavery happened and my great-great-grandfather was a part of it and now I'm here, so I don't have to listen to what you have to say and you're wrong. Hey, audience, uh, let's take a look real quick. I'm black <laughs> and he's white, so obviously <laughs> he's an idiot. Okay, I obviously know way more about this than him. And <sighs> anyone who's white can't talk about this to a black person. We're not even halfway through. Let's keep going. The controversy that's made up is people saying that this is being discussed, this is being taught in schools, and that kids should be kept away from it. That's not true. It's not even a real controversy. Malcolm, the fifth largest school district in America, Clark County, just decided that they were going to lower standards with regard to testing because they wanted to alleviate disparities in outcomes. That is an outgrowth of critical race theory. Can you draw a straight line to it? Yes, 100%. Because when you say that the meritocracy is an outgrowth of white supremacy... And then you suggest that I'm somehow denying that slavery took place or that your great, great, great grandfather was a hero because I'm saying that I want people tested when they are in school to see if they are good at school. And then what you're purporting to push now is just nonsense. It's just sheer bullshit, Malcolm. It's just bullshit. But I think it's also a leap to say that he thought that was bullshit. Because that's not what it is. I mean, we're talking, are we talking about 2021? Are we talking about 1861? Because the point is, can we talk about 1861 and 2021? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And we do. That has never been a subject that has been up for discussion. Uh, I don't know a kid in this world who has not learned that America was once a transgressor, a transgressor of slavery. Do you know anybody who hasn't learned that? Just all those white Republicans, you know, they don't know anything about racism and slavery. They hate it. Oh, but good good on Bill Maher for actually calling him out and saying, you're not making an argument right now. You are not listening to anything that we're saying and actually backing up and talking about how this is a problem. So, oh, let's keep going. I don't know. Who, I don't know who. Is, I don't know who's against talking about history. Well, I mean, I, I mean, understand that they want to. Re- you know, in Texas, they're talking about removing yes. references to the Ku Klux Klan. They're talking about right. removing. Well, I mean, come on, that's Texas. If, I mean, how can you watch Forrest Gump without even knowing who Nathan Bedford Forrest is, right? I mean, these are people who are historical figures who did bad things. No one is actually saying we want to go back and erase everything and restart and talk to you about these things. Critical race theory is a subject because the Republican right has made it a subject. No, no, no. No no real school organizations are are mandating this for kids. I hope every Democrat in America takes your perspective and and, and, and they will be shellacked at the polls. Roy Teixeira just wrote a piece, the, the emerging Democrat majority, Roy Teixeira, he just wrote a piece about what he called the Fox News fallacy, a tendency of people on the left to believe that just because Fox News mentions something, it can't be real. The reality is a lot of this stuff is taught in schools. You mean like the, viruses? 
Wait, wait, okay. Well, can I, can I? You mean like completely baseless argument? Oh my gosh. That's crazy. (laughs) What a good argument. What, what a good argument. Doesn't respond to any of the arguments. None of the facts. These two two people are living in two different worlds. One of them is like trying to actually have debate and talk about true things. And the other one is like trying to dunk on the other one with talking points. Right. And this is, remember, who was it that went on um, Joy Reid's show? Oh, Chris Farufo. Yeah. We watched that. It was this exact same thing. She, they, they never will say, no, I'm defending critical race theory in schools because of this. They, they never say that. It's about, they argue with how you're defining it. They frame, they argue with how you're framing it. They call you a racist Republican, but right. never actually argue the issue on the merits. It's not happening and you're crazy. That is their argument. Mm-hmm. It's not happening and you're crazy. And then you give them evidence after evidence of it happening and it actually being implemented in schools. And then they go, well, well, that's not what I said, that's not critical race theory and it's not happening. That's Even not critical though, race theory, that's just teaching real history, okay? Right. And you stupid Republicans, you don't wanna hear about any of that, okay? Which this is brilliantly formatted. Again, if you go back and watch this video, you can go check it out, it's about a nine minute clip. But I love that they start off by having both of the guests define what critical race theory is and coming to a conclusion on that first. Because once, you, once you've laid that foundation, any argument that you make and you start to point out critical race theory, like, like uh, Ben is doing here, that's pure evidence because you've already agreed on what the definition of it is. So here's example after example, but now he gets to say, oh, well, no, your definition's wrong and you're crazy. Well, that's what I do in, in my videos where I go and talk to people when I'm arguing with them about something or not even arguing, but debating or trying to change their mind. And I'm talking about abortion or gun stuff, whatever it is. And I ask them at the beginning to define, you know, what is gun violence mm-hmm. or, you know, is abortion okay? Like have them define it right off the bat to figure out what that person's like level is at. So then you can like get into a real chat with them because right. if you don't know where someone's coming from, then it's easy for people on both sides, the right and the left to just straw man what the other side is saying. Right. So it's m- much easier to have a, not that this is a cohesive debate between these two people. Obviously mm-hmm. one person is very stubborn and not being very receptive, but when you're talking to other people, just strategy wise, talk to them about that first, get the definitions clear before you go into it. Yeah. And let's watch some more of Ben being gaslit. Here we go. Now, now I'm just, I don't, I don't know. Now I'm just confused. Can I just, what you're talking as far about. as yeah, what, what people are experiencing in their lives, in their schools. Yeah. Okay, you're right. There are states, like from the old Confederacy, I think, who do want to airbrush history. Mm. That's not, I think, the majority in this country. No. If you ask me critical race theory, if you say, does that mean teach history unvarnished? I would say yes, then I'm totally for critical race theory. If you say, does it mean acknowledging that racism persists today? I would say, yes, teach that. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we have remedial means? That's like affirmative action. There's lots of people who are against that. I'm still for that. I still think when you read the statistics, and I have some of them here, uh, blacks earn 40% less, uh, 90% less family wealth, high poverty high schools, 72% blacks to 31% white, live six years shorter, half as likely to go to college, eight times more incarcerated. These are real statistics. The Nobody question is, wait, how do we, what do we do to address them? I th- what, I these are wonderful. real statistics. I, you think we should address them? You think we should address them, right? The question is, what are we doing about it? Because if, ra- if critical race theory means making children in school fixate on race, I'm not for that. If it makes, if it's about, 
collective guilt. I didn't do anything to your great, great, great grandfather. I don't want to be responsible for that. If it's about, you know, a toxicity of just the one guy cracking up at that line. <laughs> Anyways. From being born white. Uh, if it's about dividing everybody into oppressor and oppressive, oppressed and oppressor, I'm not for that. So there are things that are being taught and are going around that I'm not for, that if that was critical race theory, I wouldn't be for. I agree with you, and I don't think that's critical race theory. But it's being... I, it's okay. no, no, well, I think... Gosh, what was the use of establishing the but, definition of critical race know, theory from the very know, start yes. of this interview if he's no. just going to deny? But, I mean, talking, going back to Will's... Will's point about like asking people questions and even the book that, you know, where you're reading now, the, the, um, righteous mind, the way that you approach and try to engage someone in debate, like an average, like leftist person you notice, like when Bill Maher framed it differently and was like, if you're saying this, this, and this, here's mm -hmm. what I agree with. But if you're saying if what you mean by critical race theory is this, then I disagree with that. And then saying it in this like non-threatening tone, I mean, right. Ben is there to specifically debate. So I'm not saying he did anything wrong. I mean, he is there to represent the, the, the anti-CRT position and mm -hmm. he did so very well. Um, but if you're actually in a conversation with people like you are when you're on the street, it's like, asking people questions to sort of get around their defense mechanism because clearly this guy's defense mechanism was engaged and he was totally just ready to use straw mans. He was not interested in having an honest discussion. Right. But whenever Bill kind of turned down the temperature and was like, hey, let's parse this out a little bit. Here's where I think if you agree with this, you agree with this, you agree with this. And then do you know, oh, well, and so he basically ended up persuading this guy that he to not be, to be anti-CRT. Mm -hmm. um, he's just in his own mind. It's not framed that way. It's the cognitive dissonance of, oh, well, well what you, that last thing you said is not CRT, but even though it is, and if he did agree, he agreed and agreed and agreed and agreed. And then he goes, oh, wait, and well, now, not, yeah. now you've pigeonholed me in this little this little spot where I have to either defend CRT or say that it's wrong, and he chooses to defend it. Let's keep. We'll finish this up. What's happened here? Is that I think that what's happened here as this this terminology, sort of like defund the police, has been hijacked and been framed around the left as that they want to do all this, they want to rip down the, right, the so, entire social fabric of America and they want us to be guilty well, about everything. I want you to teach history. I had a lot of people in the military, okay. hold on, I had a lot of people in the military, senior officers who had to make life and death decisions who were total morons about the cultures and institutions and right, so, in so, countries we were going into and people died because so I of that. Question. I don't need that here. If we agree that history should be taught, why are you defending critical race theory, which is not history? Did I not just Great say question. a moment ago that I think that term has been hijacked and that's not okay, what we're so talking about? Okay, so let's say critical race defending it? I'm going to go back and repeat that I didn't say that. Okay. You, you, you are right. literally let's defending say. critical race theory by redefining it as just teaching history, which is a cheap semantic trick and you know it. Is this right. what you do on your show because it sucks? <laughs> what? I, you know, it, it, Malcolm... Oh. Malcolm, I appreciate that, but sure I, I, will, I, will, I will comfort myself sure tonight by sleeping on my bed made of money. I'm sure we have an adult. Oh. I'm sure we, I'm oh, sure and we that's have where that. the whole encounter ends. Ugh. What a roller coaster that we just went on together. It's almost like, obviously, that, that last statement should not have been said, but uh, this guy just pushed and pushed and pushed and used character assassination after character assassination after character assassination. I'm amazed at the temperament that Ben kept while being on that stage. Trust me, you get mad. You get very upset. I've been in plenty of debates with people on camera, off camera, famous people, not famous, but whatever. And you, you can get upset. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. All right. Yeah. You have to try your best to not get upset at those things and always have the cool head. But 
It happens, and I, it's happened to me. I've gotten very angry with people. I'm but amazed it didn't happen sooner. You I'm know? amazed it didn't happen sooner yeah. watching this encounter. But you know? oh gosh, it's people, it's people like that. You get angry at people not because they're winning in a debate against you. I've never been angry at someone who has better points than me. You get angry at people who won't hear the points that you have to say and mm-hmm. try and play you off like you're a knucklehead for the, having a difference of opinion. Like this guy has a smug attitude that he's so smart, so much smarter than Ben. And your show sucks, Ben. And it's like that gets you upset. Not because he's winning in a debate. That doesn't really make people upset. It's about getting like laughed at or, or yeah, pushed it's a down. dishonesty. Like yeah. Ben won that. I was oh, like, clearly. Is this what you do on your show? Is destroy terrible arguments and expose the yes. fallacies in people's thinking because it sucks. It's like, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. Does it's suck, exactly it? what I do on my show. But the way he's just able to avoid the entire encounter just by like brushing it off and and using these I don't know ad hominem attacks and straw man arguments is right. like. It's really, I'm frustrated on behalf of Ben. Right. And that's like the, mo- the most frustrating part is that he's not doing, he's not doing anything to assassinate your character. He's not doing anything to, to make you mad at him. He's not even trying to elicit some sort of uh, angered response from you. All he's trying to do is say what you support, what you are supporting is wrong. And here's why it's wrong. And I just want to explain this to you on, on a base level, just two very smart men talking to each other. And this guy would just not have it. I would be frustrated. Uh, um, so, wait, let me ask you, like, Two years ago, if you saw this video, you mm-hmm. would probably be on the other guy's side and not Ben, right? I don't know. Yeah? I don't know because I think, and even I went through and read the comments on this one, there was a lot of people who lean left who said, I absolutely hate Ben Shapiro, but Malcolm lost this argument and, mm. and, and Malcolm was a bully in this. And I think I would have seen through that aspect of it that he was making no arguments and just calling names, but I would still be like, oh, he just, he just didn't defend CRT properly would have been my... So you would have like rationalized his poor performance by just saying, well, he probably yeah. wasn't equipped to argue for the yeah. position. I would have I been like, in. they didn't put somebody who is equally as intelligent as Ben up there to defend CRT. That would have been my mindset. They're not sending their best. <laughs> They're not sending <laughs> their best. <laughs> That's exactly what I would have thought. Um, now, let's get into Dear Will and Amala. Now, we didn't do this segment yesterday, but we're doing it today. You guys submitted your questions, your advice questions on Instagram, and you can follow Will and I on Instagram. Will at the Will Wit and me at the Amala Epinobi. Mine's a little bit harder to spell. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Mom, <laughs> thanks, for my Mom. easy name. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. Um, let's get into it. Our first question is, Dear Will and Amala, is it pointless to look forward to the future? Sincerely, Amanda, please, zero, zero. Anybody want to start this one off or you want me to start this one off or what? Well, we do have to move. Kind I of think also. Okay. The obvious answer is no, it's never pointless to look forward to the future because even though the world around you looks grim, you as an individual can be a flourishing person full mm-hmm. of insight and knowledge and impacting people's lives in such a good way. Even as the, as the world crashes around you, you know, Frodo using Lord of the Rings again. (gasps) The world is getting so bad around him, but he himself becomes a hero to fight against evil. And that's, that can be you. You can be someone who isn't surrounded by all this darkness, all these horrible things happening and say, I'm still going to be the best man that I can be. Even though other people are doing horrible things, the world around you is crumbling. I can still be the best person I can be learning and doing good things for other people. That is a great answer, Will. I'm going to follow that up with saying there's there is still joy to be felt in the future. Again, even even if the world around you changes, even if we fall into this 
uh, what we would call socialist, I guess, tyranny that that the the left is trying to push right now. Uh, you can still build a beautiful family, have memories with that, get married, just do all these great things with your life. Um, and it's certainly something that you should look forward to in the future, um, because even though the world is not looking too great right now, <laughs> there are other things that are just so so worth the joy and the experience. If the Taylor, world, if the world is looking bad. You will only, and things are bad around you. The only way that you can live a fulfilling life is by being a hero, by being someone who stands against evil. Because if you see bad things happening around you and you know that things are evil and you know what truth is and people, and you do nothing and instead decide to live your comfortable, safe life without being a hero, you will be an upset, sad, diminished person. It is very important when you are surrounded by evil to be a hero. And that can make it so that you should never be hopeless because you can always choose that path for yourself to be someone who's courageous and stands up and is yeah. brave. And what do heroes do is make sacrifices. And this is something Jordan Peterson talks about is like, it's what's unique to humans is that we are conscious of the idea of time and that we understand, we can understand delayed gratification. And, um, it's important when, when you talk about the future, um, what is like delayed gratification is making a sacrifice in the short term, in the near term, uh, to have a better outcome in the future. And uh, you need to do that in your personal life if you want to have a successful life and if you want to have a mm-hmm. successful family. Like if if everything is all about the here and now and that's the only place you operate in, then, you know, like the scripture says, let us eat and drink and for, for tomorrow we die. Uh, but if you have a mind for the future, if you have an eye for the future, then you will make the sacrifices today necessary to pr- create a better outcome for yourself, for your children, for your family, for your community, for your country, for the world, uh, if you are prepared to make those sacrifices. Wow, we are so full of wisdom. The left <laughs> is destroying everything. I'm Dennis Prager, and we have Otto. The world's most famous dog. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. <laughs> was that Dennis? That was trying. That was a little high. got a little draw. No, I he know, does. His voice he is does. lower, but he does the high. He does. He does. That was pretty Sounds accurate. Like Equinobi. Equinobi. <laughs> Okay, next question. Dear Will and Amala, I am not a very brave or confident person, but I am trying to get better. Any tips? Sincerely, Avi Fran. Uh, I'll kick this one off for... This is something that I thought about. When I was a kid uh, and a young teenager, I was so shy and not confident whatsoever. And I still have a little bit of that shyness today. But think about all the people that you see on a day-to-day basis, whether that's people you work with, people in your family, uh, people you cross on the street. Do you remember the average person that you see uh, on your day-to-day or are you simply thinking about yourself and your place in the world? Most of the time you're thinking about yourself and in in your place in the world. If I walked into a grocery store right now and I fell on my butt in front of 30 people, I would be the most embarrassed person in the room, but I would go home that day and all the 30 people who saw me fall would not be thinking about me whatsoever. And uh, Until that's- Until they put it on World Star. <laughs> no. Until it's on TikTok. And even so, it maybe be like, ah, ha ha honey, this girl fell in the grocery store today. And guess what? They would forget about it like five minutes later. Nobody, everybody truly cares about themselves and they think they're sort of this main character in the world that's around them. So nobody's really thinking about who you are and what you do. I, I don't know if there's any better advice for that to make you a brave and confident person because people are truly not uh, thinking about you in the scope that you think that they are. That is unless you're not wearing a mask in the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) Then they think only about you. And even so it comes and goes. That person's not thinking about you when they go home. You have no reason to feel the only person who can make you feel embarrassed is you. I had a pastor who used to say, if you're worried about people thinking about you, don't because they aren't. People think about themselves. Right. And most people are inwardly 
insecure and thinking about what other people think of them. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about what people are thinking about you. I'll give it just a quick thing too. Your guys' answers were pretty good. They were pretty good. (laughs) But, but that doesn't totally fix people's insecurity problems themselves. The way that because I was, I was like you, Amla. I was very shy. I was very insecure. I was mm-hmm. very quiet as a kid growing up. And then I became a much more confident person. Now I'm very extroverted. I guess not ne- extroverted, but I, I like, you know, I can talk to people and all that kind of stuff and I'm very confident. But that's because you find out things about the world. And as you grow in intelligence and wisdom and, and knowledge and feel confident in, in the things that you know, then your insecurities seem to go away. At least that's how it went for me, is that when you start to learn and know more and feel confident, this is like when going and giving speeches. People say, how do you get good at giving speeches? It's like, I feel confident about going and talking and giving speeches because I know what I know. I know that the things I believe are correct. I know that I have them backed up. I know that if someone asks me a question, I can debate them on it and win. So it's, I don't know, just having confidence because you know the things that you actually think about. Right. Yeah, and and obviously outside of that in your day-to-day life, if you're not confident of just being seen by other people, they're not thinking about you. I promise. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Next one. Dear Will and Amala, best ways to be a gentleman. And this is from Jonathan Savko. Do you guys have answers for this? I'm going to let you guys answer first, and I'm going to see what I think about your gentlemanly advice. Anytime there is a puddle. You need to lay down your jacket so the woman can walk over the puddle, <laughs> all over your jacket. Wow, that is very sound advice. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else, Will? Um, never. Nope, that's it. That's <laughs> all you need to know. <laughs> that's it. So that's get some it. jackets, boys. Um, no, I. Well, never sit down if you're a man. This is what my grandpa taught me. Mm-hmm. If you're at a dinner table and food is being served, and like everyone's getting their food or whatever, you don't sit down until the ladies have sat. Okay. So if all the ladies haven't sat at the table yet, like let's say you're with a group of women or whatever, you don't sit down as the man until all of the ladies have sat. And that'll impress girls on dates too. If you're sitting there, if you're waiting and, you know, waiting for them to sit down, like, why are you waiting? And you're like, well, my grandpa taught me this. And they'll be like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So So you're just trying to impress a girl. No, not true. You're also having good (laughs) manners, but you can do both. They both work at the same time. Taylor, what is your advice on how to be a gentleman? (sighs) I mean, there's all there's all the practical stuff like open the door, when, open the car door when you're on a date and stuff like that. Wow, Will, could you be any louder? <laughs> I needed water. <laughs> it's parched, but I think just in general, there is, it comes down to um, how you view women and what your intentions are with uh, with women in general when you're like talking to them, approaching them, mm-hmm. or even in dating. And if you're if if you actually see them as a human being created by God's daughter with infinite value and worth and your job in approaching them is to, uh, well, steward that and be conscious of that. And like, this is an independent human that mm-hmm. I, I'm, is not just someone to, to a piece of meat. It's not just someone to conquer it, but it is another human that, um, I have the privilege of getting to know and discover what God's placed inside of her. That is a much mm-hmm. different idea and approach in how you're, uh, that's going to inform your, attitude in in how you interact with women much more so than you know just the a textbook of tips we could read all day of like what what traditional little things are but if you're only doing those to uh, manipulate a girl into falling for you in some way then that is shallow and right you know, but what how do you truly view women do you truly have a, a deep um honor and appreciation for them and that that's what really makes it gentlemen being a gentleman is a mindset 
It's not a set of actions. That's actually a really good answer. I'm going to go for the more traditional route. It's just, uh, especially with women, uh, I have noticed, and I am a woman myself, <laughs> that to be seen, I am, I do identify as a woman. Uh, to be seen and to be heard is to be loved. So active listening, super important thing. Uh, and then just, I think what comes along with being a gentleman, and it's like the typical traditional thing of waiting for the woman to sit down and putting your jacket over the puddle, is just this sense of knowing uh, that you are going to protect this person and that you are going to make this person comfortable. Um, I think a lot of people, there's no... There, there's plenty of good reasons to be in a relationship, but one of the best reasons to be in a relationship is that you guys get to help each other uh, with, with things and you make each other more comfortable in your lives and, and your life gets easier when you're with somebody who loves you and you love them. So as a gentleman, uh, what can I do to make this person's life easier? And in exchange, the woman will do the same for you. Mm -hmm. There you go. Stop nagging. <laughs> stop whining. Yes, yeah, stop whining. Perfect. <laughs> Here's another one here. I feel like I could have given a better answer. You want to you try it? No, I don't want to give it. Give it. I, I'm fine with my answer, but <laughs> I could have given a better one. Okay. <laughs> Just so all you people out there know, okay? Um, let's see. Dear Will and Amala, what is good fashion advice for men, and what are the best clothing companies for men? Ooh. Look at me. Oh, look mm -hmm. at Will. Look at me. The, the pinnacle bandana. of fashion. Oh, gosh. Okay? Uh, can I tell the story of what Sabrina's little cousin said to you? When she was what here? What did she say? Okay. Sabrina, maybe not her cousin, maybe her nephew. Sabrina brought her, brought her nephew into the office and we went out and took them out to lunch. And Will <laughs> was wearing uh, board shorts to uh -huh. work with yeah. flip flops. And the kid walks right up to Will, looks him up and down and goes, are you wearing a swimsuit? Are you wearing pajamas to work? <laughs> well, I have to put some fault on the parents uh for not teaching their children what swim what board shorts are okay <laughs> and flip-flops who sleeps in board shorts and, and flip-flops <laughs> i don't are you wearing a swimsuit or pajamas to work that is hilarious <laughs> listen board shorts are incredibly comfortable i i can i wear them almost every single day because they're comfortable I wear them to work you can wear them to the beach. You can wear them at home chilling. You can wear them to you work. Can, <laughs> most people can't wear them to work. No, you so. can't. I can wear them to work. Most people who work at Prager, you can't wear them to work. <laughs> it's well, just Will. Flip-flops and board shorts. All you need okay. as a man, okay? Here's Give actual need. advice. I'm giving actual advice, okay? I'm gonna you need a good pair of jeans that aren't too tight. You need a good pair of white shoes and then yep. a good pair of brown dressier shoes. Belts that match with those. Nice T-shirts that aren't going to fall apart. <laughs> this is this list is getting long. <laughs> well, this is but you no, need this is sound. This is sound. T-shirts, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, that's you're it. You're, you're honestly not wrong. And a three-piece suit, perfectly yeah. tailored to your body. Right. Yes. And if it, yeah, a nice tailored suit. I, that's honestly right. The best thing that a man can wear, and this is like not just my advice, but this is all the women that I know, is obviously a pair of, of white shoes, brown shoes, black shoes. That's a good, your, your industry standards. Uh, a nice pair of jeans or slacks that fit you very well. And then a t-shirt, whether that's like gray, white, black, doesn't matter. Don't be wearing slacks all the time. No, not all the time, but if you go to work, you know, you wear, you wear slacks and you wear, wear a nice t-shirt or, or a nice button up that is typically solid colored. I know a lot of women do not like patterns on men. Sorry, Will. Um, I don't wear patterns. You're literally wearing a pattern right this now. Is like a <laughs> this, is a, this is a tropical pattern. Okay, well, this it's either way. This is a Hawaiian way. shirt. This is different. Okay? Oh my gosh. Shut up, Amala. I will. I don't like animal print. Just One thing, women mouth. women should not wear animal print. I am, I, I'm and I'm not it. just saying this because of you, Amla. It's I okay. am like very anti. If there's one piece of fashion that should die for women, 
It is animal print. No, the only animal print that should die for women is like cheetah print. And I, I stand that, by so. that. I I will sign off. I approve this message. Uh, zebra print, however, no, is fashionable. Burn uh, it all. Taylor, do you have any advice? Do not ask Taylor for fashion advice. Okay. Taylor, dress, Taylor dresses in my industry standard, and Thank that is you. jeans, look shirt, at, nice look shoes. Look how big that neck the, ring is the for dr- Taylor's shirt. People hate on my neck. I like to show off my collarbone because it's very well defined. <laughs> there you go. No. Um, <laughs> No, I just don't think guys should care about fashion that much. I think generally, if it's the same thing as like if you have if guys who put their confidence, if you don't outsource your confidence to what you wear or what you drive or anything else. Like the most important thing in your closet is confidence. If you are confident in your own skin, that's what's more attractive to women, and uh, that is, you know, and that doesn't mean you should be a slob or can be a slob. But I think we get so down the rabbit hole of subjective stuff about well, can you wear prints? Can you wear this? And you wear that? Like put a good outfit together, look good, make things match, don't look like a slob. But like right, in general, right. women really don't care that much. See, this is Taylor's well, way of evading the question. No, I'm, that is, my, that is an fashion. answer on the nose of if the question. I used to care nothing. about this stuff, and then if, I realized this is how stupid it is. If a woman likes you, she likes you. There's not a lot you can do to mess that up, especially if you've already charmed her with your personality and all that fun stuff. And if she likes the way you look, sure. Uh, if you are a single man, a bachelor who is looking for women or who is looking to to date women to see what you like, to find somebody who you like, dressing nicely is not going to hurt you. Right, there's no there's no doubt that wearing nicer fitting clothes and nicer things are going to make you look more desirable. And it doesn't have women. to be nicer clothes. You could literally go to Walmart and Target and get everything that I just told you about and wear it around and not a woman not a single woman would know the difference. Get that t-shirt, jeans, the cl- the shoes and then put a nice little Walmart watch on. You got it. That's all you need. Your little Walmart package. It's well also what, what the way you dress is also going to determine who you attract. And so right. if you need to go through with all this like fancy leather jackets and cool hotshot stuff that you wear out at the clubs in LA, like, you know, that you're going to attract a certain type of person yeah. based on what you wear. And uh, I hope that you're trying to end up with the type of person that you're attracting by what you're wearing. There you go. I don't, I wear a bandana hoping uh, Sarah Cameron. <laughs> Gosh. Hoping to find Our a cowgirl. Bikes. Yeah. Okay, next question. Dear Will and Amala, how to deal with your mom being disappointed in you from Jess Swimmer? Well, my mom has never been disappointed in me. Never. I've never ever, disappointed ever. her. She's always uh, well, you literally late. disappointed your mom by being late on the stream today. <laughs> <laughs> I disappointed my mom literally 20 minutes ago. Sorry, Will's mom, again. No, I disappointed my mom a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. I made a lot of bad decisions. I made a lot of bad choices in my life that disappointed my mom a lot. And she tried to ground me and tried to fix my life for me and help me out on things. And it, a lot of it didn't really work. A lot of it had to be because of myself. So I think that she's not disappointed in me anymore because, I don't know, mom, why are you not disappointed anymore? <laughs> but because I made something amazing with my life. You know, I have set myself apart and said, okay, I don't want to be lazy anymore. I want to be a go-getter. I want to be someone who strives for something. And because of that, it's hard for her to be disappointed in me. Even when I fail or do something wrong, it's not so much as disappointment. It's more like, okay, we're going to do better next time. Versus like when you see someone not actively trying to be better as a person, then you're more disappointed in that individual. Anything from you, Taylor, that makes total sense. Has your mom ever been disappointed in you? Um, I mean, yeah, like I got bad grades on my report card, like a B. Uh, Much different problems, Taylor. Um, no, I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I have a good answer for this one. 
I don't know that I have a good answer for this one either. I've definitely, um, I'm more on Will's scope of things where I've definitely been in situations where I've disappointed my mother, whether that's with my actions or my beliefs or anything like that. Um, but I think it's, there's some things where you do what Will does and you accept, oh, I did something wrong and this is going to change about me. And there's other things where your your mother is disappointed in you for things that you cannot change, yeah. whether that's like your value system or who you are as a person, um, the way you interact with people and what you want to do with your life. And if, if that's the sentiment behind the disappointment, then there's just this uh, thing you have to bridge in your relationship where you accept the things that you cannot change about each other and you you either accept or deny the fact that you you love each other beyond that and you love each other regardless of that. Um, so that's what I'd say. If it's something that you can change, that you know you're actively doing wrong and is, is a problem either within your character or your actions, then work every day to to uh, work against that. And I'm sure she will not be disappointed with, uh, with you when she sees those actions. But if it's something that you cannot change, let it settle, maybe have a discussion, accept each other outside of that. Surprising that Taylor didn't have a good answer for this one, even though the picture looks the most like Taylor. <laughs> spinning image. Just like T. Trandall. <laughs> I need to put my knees up and be like. <laughs> Here's another one. Dear Will and Amala, if I'm a short dude, how do I get a girl to like me? Sincerely, Micah Peters. It's very, very easy. One Explain, word. Explain, Will. Money. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you have money will. and you're short, women will love you. Fame. That's not fame. Another word. Fame, money, power. <laughs> That's not true. I, nice car. Okay. That, I'm sure that will help with some girls. That's not going to attract the women that you actually want to be with. If you're going to attract this woman who is just utilizing you for your money and for your fame. Uh, you didn't say what girl. Okay. I'm trying whatever. to give them the best odds. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because depending on how short you are, you're going to need some, some money. So not true. <laughs> No, uh, confidence and personality can really just overwhelm the senses when it comes to women. Uh, so being a super confident person, being funny, or I don't want to say overcompensating, but in a way it is sort of overcompensating uh, with personality traits to sort of uh, guide away from the fact that you are short. I know a lot of girls who do not care either way, uh, but the majority of girls do care, unfortunately. Yeah, so, shallow. What's wrong with you women, okay? I'm five foot nine. I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> Okay. I'm I, not defensive. I'm not defensive. I have a great personality, okay? I don't even care about how tall I am. But your personality is fine and your personality helps you with women. It doesn't matter. They are not folks they're not like, oh my gosh, this guy is, is shorter than I am. They're, they're like, very tall on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, How much money do you make? Oh my God. gosh. <laughs> no. You use your personality and that influences the way that people think about you. I know a girl, yeah. uh, personally a good friend of mine who has only ever been with short guys and it's not because it's what she prefers or that, that she particularly likes guys who are short, but it's because the ones that she have met are extremely funny, extremely charming, extremely personable and their their personality characteristics overwhelm that, that attribute about themselves. Honestly, being tall, pretty overrated, gonna be honest. <laughs> Being five foot nine is honestly where it's at. And Somebody, that, Christine Kennedy said, I'm hot and I don't care how tall a man is. <laughs> Good job, Christine. There you go. Good job, Christine. Christine. You fox. I like to hear that. <laughs> I think yeah. the answer is like, don't uh, develop an inferiority complex mm -hmm. and because people will detect that. The best thing you can do is accept the world and be the best version of yourself that you can be and right. have be be yourself and be strong in that and need, like anyone like a tall person who uh their confidence comes from the fact that they're tall that's so shallow oh, yeah. nobody and, likes and insecure anyway yeah right so oh, who wants that <laughs> yeah they're total <laughs> they're total idiots <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyways yeah i don't like 
I think it goes both ways. You can have a tall person who's kind of a douche just because they're, uh, right. their identity's in that, and then they have no personality beyond the fact that they're just used to stuff coming easy. Yeah, also, side note of advice, don't ever bring up your height. Just don't do it. If you don't yeah, bring it up, definitely. don't don't call attention. The worst thing Should you could do- Should guys put it in their dating profiles, though? No. No, no. no. Unless you're tall. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you're tall, but everyone there, does. Sure. It's like a thing, I, you know, isn't it's it? weird. It's like a, it's a standard. It's an industry standard to put your yeah. height in your dating profile. Don't do that. If and you're under six feet, don't put your height in your dating it's profile. It's just like, don't worry about it. If you don't call attention to it, it's it's not like she's going to do it. And it's especially that sort of uh, what will really turn a woman off is that self-deprecating like, oh, well, I know I'm shorter than you. And I'm so glad you're dating me, even though I'm shorter than you. Don't do that. Just leave it. Yeah. Just don't talk about or it. Or you could just, you should date a super tall chick, like a basketball player. Heck yeah. And just turn both of the societal standards Then on you'll be heads. like the coolest guy ever. Yeah. She yeah. can give you piggyback rides. <laughs> she can help get you on the roller coaster rides. You can't get on. <sighs> this is great advice. I love this segment. Okay. You're welcome. Uh, next question. Dear Will and Amala, I dated a girl. Oh, wait. A girl I dated says we are incompatible. Should I ask for more details on why or not linger on it and move on? And this is from Dan Roscoe Graham. Two questions. Two questions. One, how tall are you? <laughs> Secondly, how much money do you make? Oh, my gosh. Shut up, Will. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, I'm joking. Um, okay. You give your answer. actual no, advice. You can okay. If a girl says that you are incompatible, I would not waste my breath. There's no amount of convincing in the world uh, that you'll be able to do with a woman who has made up their mind that they, they don't really like you. And of course, that's the rule. And there are exceptions to the rule. I'm sure you can say, well, that happened to my friend and they broke up and then he confronted her about it and they got back together and everything's great. Sure. But that's an exception yeah. to the rule. And then he got COVID and he had the vaccine already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So if she says you're incompatible, that's just her way of telling you I'm not interested. It might not even be that you're incompatible. Well, clearly you are because she's not interested in you. But um, just oh, don't. Savage. I don't mean that in a rude way. Humble. If a girl says she's God that you're incompatible. You're obviously a loser. If a girl says that you're incompatible, your personalities just don't match each other. And there will be a girl who will you'll never hear her utter those words. So I wouldn't waste my breath on a girl who does not like you. I am sure that you are great. Um, and yeah, don't linger on it. Move on. Yeah, the best thing you can do is move on with your life. And then maybe she'll see you out there living your best life and come crawling back. But uh, yeah, you don't want her if she comes crawling back. Don't, don't I know, but if you're like, around. I'm just saying your best chance at actually earning this person's affection is to get completely over them. So you might as well just get over them yeah. because um, lingering on it is never a good idea. Like, right. oh, but why don't you like me? Like, that's just simpy. And that's even less attractive to a girl. Yeah. yeah. And so often we fall into this pit, uh, especially when you're in long term relationships and you lose that relationship. Like, oh, there's nobody else out there for me and I need to figure out what's wrong with me and I'm going to fix it. And then I'm going to go back to her and we're going to be more compatible than we've ever been before. No, no. There's somebody out there who's like, if we're not compatible. I can change. I can change everything <laughs> about myself. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. tell me. It's like, don't ask her. I got more. these shoes and they make my, I'm like two inches taller now. I promise. <laughs> The fact that you feel the need to ask her about why you're incompatible shows me that you're a caring person who is willing to accommodate this sort of disconnect within a relationship. You don't need that. You don't need a girl like that. You can find a girl who's going to love you just for who you are and you're going to be super compatible and she'll never, you know, never say anything like this. The thing you should do is nip this in the butt and find this girl before she tells you that you're incompatible with her. You tell her that she's incompatible. Oh my gosh. You. The heartbreak <laughs> E becomes the heartbreaker. Exactly. Is that what you're, that what exactly. you're advising? 
That is horrible advice. <laughs> that horrible that advice? Beat her to the punch. Yeah, now exactly. that a woman has beat you down emotionally, go beat down a bunch of other women emotionally. No, that's not what I said. I said the same girl. <laughs> before okay. she tells you that it's not going to work, you Just tell her don't it's do not going to work. No, don't waste your breath. Come on, know, Will. Come on, Will. I'm trying this to help. This is not about revenge. This is about happiness. This is Django. This is Django. Yeah. He's coming back for his comeuppance, mm -hmm. as they say. Mm -hmm. Well, real, real advice? Yeah, don't worry about it, man. That's our advice segment for the day. Do you guys have any extraneous advice that you'd like to give the people before we before we sign off? Get money. <laughs> oh my gosh. Utah. Taylor, anything? Um, someone just said a joke in the super chat so we'll read it someone told me a joke about how will with a mustache looks like stalin the joke was all right but i like the execution the most <laughs> <laughs> that hilarious funny. that was a good one and that he donated in good. rubles or something so they're russian as well thank you so much for the donation we're so happy to have all the money you'll make me laugh funny at your jokes where's the vodka <laughs> I love potatoes. Oh, anyways, guys, thank you so much for watching. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live. If you would like a personal notification sent to your phone, text live 241776. If you are a high school student, college student, or a young professional below the age of 35, and you want to meet a digital community of like-minded conservatives, consider joining PragerForce at PragerForce.com. You may be featured on our show. You might get a job here at PragerU, but at the very least, you're going to meet people who support your values and who like you for who you are. Mm -hmm. Also, this podcast is now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so go and give Google it a listen Play. and Google Play. Go give it a listen if you don't want to see our faces every day, which why wouldn't you want to see our faces? Also, you can leave us a five-star review on Google Play and on Apple Podcasts to show us that you support the show. We would really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for watching. I know you just got the best advice of your life. You're so. welcome. Also, You're welcome. like this video, okay? Do it. Do it. Please. Smash the really like please. button. I think that you guys in this video are compatible together and you should definitely like the video. Right. Maybe you'll find the love of your life and she won't care if you're short. But she will care if you're rich. Thanks yeah. for watching. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>